0: Welcome back on this week of Prosperity Egg Out Loud. I am joined by Mike and Andy Pastor of Hemlock Lakeview Farms down in the sunny south of Port Burwell. Mike and Andy are grain and vegetable farmers and are super open to sharing the day-to-day on their operation and allowing us to see what it's like working on the horticulture side of things. So I really enjoyed speaking with these guys and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yeah, no, thanks so much, and uh, I know it's a busy time of year in between crops, so what are you guys in between right now? Like, you finished up uh, peppers and stuff I saw, so that's pretty sweet. What's uh, what's next? We're still working on
1: peppers, and we're just getting ready to start squash as well, so. Okay,
0: cool. Our schedule
1: yeah. is kind of un- unpredictable right now. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Well, uh, no, this is awesome. Thanks very much. You guys are pretty cool characters. I mean, I haven't met you in real life before, but love everything that I see on Twitter, like, it's just kind of fun to see what different operations are doing and, um, you guys bring a lot of comic relief to everyone's day, which I think is very much needed sometimes. So, anyways, and I think so much of the province, like, we don't always get to hear, um, you know, what's going on down in some of the vegetable-producing regions, so I think that'll be pretty cool for people to hear from. So, why don't, um, one of you or both of you go ahead and just Tell me a bit about your guys' operation, what the day-to-day looks like, and who is involved.
2: Yeah, I can do that. Yep. So basically, what we do on our farm is we we grow corn, beans, cucumbers, um, peppers, jalapeno peppers, and then we have a little bit of squash, and then some rye in that too. We don't really count rye as a big crop or anything like that because we mostly use it for a cover crop. And then we also have a little bit of ginseng. So, yeah, so what we do, we normally... And Mike's a pioneer dealer also, so...
0: Awesome, so what's going on.
2: Yeah, we've got lots going on. So, basically, we normally start getting busy right around April. I'd say the middle of April, because where we are, it warms up quick, and we're on sandy soil, so we can normally get on the ground pretty quick. And, yeah, we basically go right till december then it's pretty much non-stop we'll have a little bit of slow time in between crops maybe like a week or so but but yeah that's basically it
0: good deal and so so both you guys and then who else is involved is is there uh like is your dad still involved have you got kids old yep. enough to start helping you yet
2: yep no it's uh it's me mike and my dad and my mom while well, she does all the bookkeeping and everything yeah my dad's He's pretty much in a management role. You know, he doesn't really do the physical labor. He still does all the spraying, but that's about it. And, uh, but he helps on all the time. So, so yeah, it's, it's a basically us three doing everything. So yeah. Awesome.
0: Yeah. What's going
1: on? Mom is definitely, she's the financial advisor, the HR person, um, kind of keeps everything together. Especially when you got three boys working day-to-day day.
0: Um, <laughs> that's a lot to keep track of There's
1: can be some conflicts sometimes so I guess she's the glue that keeps separation together
0: add peacekeeper to the list yes <laughs> awesome and then um so do you guys have hired help as well I mean you know typically you know there's lots of labor involved when you get into some of those vegetable crops so what does that look like for you guys
1: yeah so we do all of the cash crops with the corn soybeans just ourselves, me, Andy, and dad. Um, But when it comes to the vegetables, we have, and it depends on the year. This year was a little different because of everything, but we can have 30 to 40 people. Wow. Those are hand-picked, and uh, the peppers are transplanted. So we have a pretty big labor force for about cucumber harvest is six weeks. Um, Pepper, squash, we try to get it in two, three weeks. So for that amount of time, we have quite a bit of labor here.
0: Yeah. So mostly, I guess, yeah, obviously, right at planting and then um, mostly a harvest. And what about, like, kind of in between, like, in some of those summer months, then, like, do you have individuals that you will hire for the entire season? Or do you just have them specifically at harvest, say?
2: Yeah, basically here. We're in a pretty diverse area where there's lots lots of vegetables grown. So what we have here is like there's asparagus. So and that normally starts right when we're planting corn. Okay. So probably like May first or something like that, they start picking asparagus. So what these our workers come up from Mexico. They're German Mennonites. And yeah, they come up for basically spring and summer and they like to get out of here by October. But they'll work in
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah. they'll work in They'll work in asparagus first, and then once that's done, then cucumbers start up. So then they'll come into cucumbers, and then uh, once cucumbers is done, that's when the peppers come on. So, yeah.
0: Okay, gotcha. So this year threw us a bit of a curveball. I think a lot of us that are just strictly in the cash crop business have been a little bit... Um, immune to some of the struggles that you guys have been facing as far as the labor force just with COVID restrictions. So has that, um, like, how has that impacted you guys personally or maybe what you've seen with some of your neighbors in the area?
1: Uh, Well, for instance, we kind of, when this started in the spring, we anticipated having labor issues. Yeah. So our volume, we planted less knowing that, knowing we might have trouble finding people harvest at all and even with planting less I know our cucumbers instead of four crews we had two and a half and our peppers uh, were still short people but the people we have working are making more money because they're having more crop to cover Um, and there's lots of lots of farms in the same situation Um, short labor having trouble harvesting everything or the ones that even did plant Um, some didn't even plant a crop at all this year and some reduced acres. So definitely a big impact.
0: Yeah, that's really tough. So I know like, you know, every operation is different, but um, most of the produce that you guys are producing on the vegetable side of things, like does a lot of that stay within the province or does a lot of that get exported or where is your market?
2: Yeah. Basically all our, Vegetables go for processing, so the cucumbers go for pickles, so they all get shipped on a out of the country into the states. And same with the jalapenos; most of them go to the states, also. I think a little bit go to Quebec, but yeah. So mostly it stays out of the country, so it's all export pretty much.
1: Well, it it gets processed out of the country is a better way to put it. It ends up back here on your grocery store.
0: Yeah, um, no, that's interesting. I didn't, um, I was speaking to another fellow about a uh, sweet corn, kind of the same deal where a lot of it's grown here and then goes to the States. And I just, I didn't realize, you know, but I guess it makes sense. Like some of those processing plants, like they're so large in the States that just economies of scale it makes sense too, you. Right.
1: And it was just, I think a casualty of doing business in Ontario um, where it got too expensive So companies move, out, and they can buy our product here cheaper with the dollar. Right.
0: Yeah. Makes sense.
2: sense. Yeah. Like, I think there's only, what, a couple vegetable processing places here in Ontario that I know of. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It depends on your crop. I mean, you got the tomatoes in the deep southwest where they have the processing facilities, um, but a lot of other crops have seen most of that shift to the U.S.
0: Right, right. So pardon my ignorance on vegetable production. I grew up like on the fringe of Norfolk County, but honestly never exposed myself to the sands very much. <laughs> Consider myself more of a clay girl. And so um, like vegetable production isn't something that I know a lot about. Um, you guys have a like a pretty diverse array on your farm. But like you just mentioned too, like in the deep southwest, like you get more into tomatoes and stuff. So when you're making decisions about what to grow in your region, like are there certain crops that do really well where you guys are in Norfolk? Or is it, you know, more just um, like an economic decision, kind of like it is for cash croppers where it's like, oh, you know, price of corn wasn't as good this year, so I'm going to grow edible beans instead. I guess, uh, how does how do those decisions get made?
2: Well, basically we can grow anything on our sand, you know, it doesn't matter what vegetable, but since we have the cucumber, cucumber grading stations around, yeah, that's what, that's what we choose. Like we used to grow tomatoes.
0: Okay. I think
2: when me and Mike were kids. Yeah. And uh, just cause there was a plant in St. Thomas that was up and running, but it's since closed down. It didn't last that long. But uh, yeah, basically our factors are just, you know, where the market is and where we can take it and how close it is because yeah we can grow anything yeah so yeah
0: okay good deal and look what about the ginseng deal because that my understanding you can only grow ginseng once on a particular piece of ground so are you guys just trying to kind of like rotate through acres as you can and what's involved with growing a ginseng crop
1: um ginseng is yeah so you can only grow it once in a in a parcel of the land forever Um, they are working on research to try to change that but um, the primary market for ginseng is Asia and uh, with everything going on in the world that market is kind of in unstable right now I guess is the most polite way to put it yeah ginseng is a very labor intensive and management intensive crop so generally you're looking at three four years to harvest um, and it's a lot of work putting up the infrastructure because it requires shade to block the sunlight Um, It only 20% of the sunlight or else it'll die Um, and basically they're saying that as soon as you plant a ginseng seed all it wants to do is try to die (laughs) your purpose is to try to keep it living Um, it's definitely very susceptible to disease so there's that frost and there's very little insurance coverage on it so it's it's a high-risk, high-reward crop, let's say.
0: Right.
2: Um, you, you need a lot of labor to There to isn't much reward in it right now. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: obviously, just, with a bit of a labor shortage and a bit of a market uncertainty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: yeah. Yeah. There was a lot more that went in probably, like, the past five years just because the price of ginseng, like, I think that was, like, five years ago was, like, all-time high. You okay. know, guys are making tons of money, but uh, since then it's basically down to cost of production around there. So at yeah, best, at yeah. best, so. A lot so, yeah. of work
0: for uh, cost of production.
2: Eh? Yeah, yeah, but it goes in cycles. So who knows? Yeah, we don't have a lot in, and with, with the ginseng, my uncle, he's it's all grown at his farm, so he's the one who basically takes care of it. So okay. yeah, yeah.
0: Good deal. Well heck, that's why you diversify, right? So Yeah. Um, yeah. So being on like uh, some pretty sharp sands down there, like I'm assuming water is your biggest limiting factor unless you've got, you know, like a kind of a wet sand down there, which does exist, but um like do you guys get into irrigation much or what does that look like for you?
1: You asked earlier about the vegetable production and yeah, yeah. there's there's three main factors that go into it, and that's your climate and environment. Yep. Your so it would include your soil type and a water source. Okay. Um, without water, growing nothing here. Yeah. Um, it can <laughs> it can turn into a, a desert. I think some years I joked that you'd have a hard time producing a good cactus crop.
0: Oh gosh.
1: need <laughs> <So laughs> water. Yeah. Um, and there is some pockets of like what you said, a little heavier. Um, sand that is capable of oil, holding moisture mm-hmm. but for the we are on sharp sand what we call sharp sand. Um, so if you don't have a water source you could be in trouble um, even with a lot more corn and soybean production in the area over the last 20 years um, a lot of those growers who are simply corn and soybeans are putting up pivots or else they're using the old style um, real irrigation that they had back in the tobacco days or for vegetables in their cash crop um, production as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So like, have you guys started to irrigate your cash crops as well? Or right now is it just the vegetables that you're working with?
2: Yeah, it's just the vegetables right now, but we've been lucky the last couple of years because we've caught timely rains. So yeah, like things are actually looking really good compared to an average year yeah. where we are. So So yeah, yeah, we've been getting lucky.
0: Nice, nice. Um, and then, so like the irrigation, um, like are you guys all pivots then with some spring-fed ponds, or how are you guys set up for irrigation with the vegetables?
1: We're all uh, reels, so we okay. have like, travelers. Yep. Um, so we have that for the irrigation, just because of the acres and how we rotate our crop. It's easier to right. move them from.
2: Field yeah, and like to you can't find a square field. In- <laughs> in our township so yeah there's yeah yeah so yeah that's why we don't have pivots right now so
0: no that makes sense for sure that makes sense good deal so like the vegetable crops obviously get managed a lot more intensively than your corn wheat and soybeans but have you found yourselves just because you have some experience like managing those vegetable crops more intensively has that carried over into your cash crops like do you feel like you babysit them maybe a bit more than other folks would that don't have that vegetable production experience
1: um the horticulture side is definitely more intensely managed Mm -hmm. um but i would say fundamentals of growing a crop are the same whether it's a cucumber plant, a pepper plant, or a corn or soybean plant.
0: Yeah.
1: I think just in general, as a sector, the grain and oil seeds is becoming much more intensely managed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the days of just planting a seed in the ground and spraying it once and then coming back in the fall and harvesting are over. I know 30, 40 years ago that might have been the way it is, or 20. Um, but now I think there's a lot more pest pressures, uh, disease pressures. So I think basically it's the same and we're monitoring crops much more differently today than we ever did before. And there's so much more money on the line. It costs so much to grow, um, anything anymore. Yeah. So farmers are they're taking, they're managing their crops much better than we used to, I think.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. You're right. And I think, you know, as we, um, progress towards higher and higher yields. I always look at things as like a percentage, right? And so like that percentage of having disease pressure, pest pressure, it's always, you know, it's it's greater if it's, you know, a 230 bushel corn crop versus the 130 bushel corn crop of the days past, right? So yeah, that definitely makes sense for sure. So just driving through Norfolk areas that you guys are in, Um, Like you mentioned some of the crops that you guys grow, but what else would you see just driving through the countryside that's kind of unique to um, Some of those sands down there
1: Well, this area in particular I think and I I don't have it on me But there is a chart for Norfolk County and it shows all the crops and yeah, and they're in Ontario in Canada but right around here So we mentioned cucumbers and peppers a lot of those asparagus strawberries Pumpkins, squash, ginseng, ginseng, um, definitely your corn and soybeans.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Potatoes.
0: Yeah, you, are okay, right? you can literally grow everything.
1: I would definitely say this is probably one of the most diverse agricultural areas, not just Canada or North America, but even, I'd argue, the world.
0: Yeah, that's cool. So, I'm always like really intrigued by this too. Like what is the culture like amongst farmers in the area? Is it super competitive? No one speaks to each other. Um, like do guys try and help each other a fair bit, or what is that dynamic like?
2: No, well, I'd say, you know, it's it's like nowhere it's like anywhere else. Fair you enough. know? Yeah. yeah. That's what I figure. You know, everybody gets along fairly well. Yeah. you know what do you think mike
1: yeah for the most part i'd say it's it's no similar to any other area er- or no different than any other area um a lot of people grow for the same company and whether it's tobacco or cucumbers and if you have an issue with your crop you're asking for advice from your neighbor or another grower yeah um if you see something strange you're you're doing the same thing so yeah i think yeah for the most part it's farmers are farmers um, regardless of where they live
0: yeah fair enough that's nice
1: and i mean there is competition yeah. um we're in a competitive industry so there is is competition for land and resources but um that's natural i guess
0: yeah fair enough on like the agronomy side of things just because for me thinking you know it's a little bit different than what i work with do you find that individuals might have Um, like independent agronomists or like horticulture specific agronomists or do you still lean more on like um, like your seed companies or the ag retail how does that look
1: yeah we we definitely still rely on the retailers Um, but there are agronomists that deal with specific crops Um, we deal a lot with the buyers of our crops we work together and the agronomists and uh, the Ministry of Agriculture, um, the University of Guelph, all of those in combination um, through research and and different funding in that.
0: Got you, so a bit of, bit of a team approach then. Probably like maybe more, yeah. play, more players probably involved in the operation than um, I think. Yeah, because, would see.
1: yeah, I think so. Um, like our company itself, there's a program with the cucumbers that monitors downy mildew and there's a whole network that monitors it from the States as it's coming up and entering into Canada and there's, and it's a program through maybe we grow the cucumbers for, um, after in the university of Guelph and they have scouts that come out and check fields really to keep an eye on it and monitor it. So yeah, there's a pretty big network behind
2: it. Yeah. That's
0: probably, that's pretty
2: cool. Yeah. i like the agronomists down here that work for the retailers, like they're top notch you know like they don't just know corn or soybeans they know pretty much everything so so yeah Yeah. that's a big help too
0: yeah that's awesome like that would be very interesting but also like like you said you'd have to know your stuff right because I mean with those crops being so sensitive yeah um yeah there's so much to know I guess uh covered a lot on the farming operation but um maybe let's talk about you two individually um, for a bit here. Like I said, like, I thought that it would be so cool to chat with both of you. Like, I haven't met either of you before, but I think um, I love what you both do on social media. Like, I think it's great that you're always sharing what you're doing on farm. Like, it's pretty lighthearted. There may be some, uh, you know, like I said, some comic relief for the rest of us to see. But also, like, you share some of the challenges too, which, um, which I think is pretty cool. And I'm always just like interested to hear from people, like maybe what some of their goals are on their operation or what keeps like driving them forward and uh, like keeps them really passionate on a day to day about what they do. So I don't know, maybe like uh, Michael, let you speak to that first and then maybe Andy just kind of give us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I don't think we really ever set out to especially with social media or that a goal, it was just kind of sharing what we did and, and trying to be genuine and real. And
0: yeah,
1: I think people recognize that. And there's a, there's a demographic of it who found it interesting and like seeing it. So we went with it. Um, yeah. I think that's all we really try to do is just show what we do and how we do it and why. And as you get more people interested, even from the farm community who aren't familiar with those crops, um, I think it's a learning experience. We're lucky enough here that we're in a very diverse area and through the seed sales, I meet farmers from all different backgrounds. So I kind of have an understanding uh, of many different sectors, but by no means am I an expert in dairy farming or livestock farming. um, Mm -hmm. So from them when they put stuff up. So I think it's just a a good learning tool. Um, And yeah, you gotta have fun. you're waking up every morning dreading the day, you're not looking forward to it. Um there's no point in doing it anymore. So um yeah, we like what we do and I think that reflects through our social media.
0: Definitely.
1: Yeah. We're brothers, yeah. so so in real life we fight. oh uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where, that's where mom comes in as a peacekeeper sometimes.
2: But and I uh,
1: <laughs> fight and we like to give each other our time and rib each other. Um that's what
2: brothers do, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it works out good because Mike does his own thing and I do my own thing, so we're basically the only time we're together is basically in in uh, grain harvest, you know, and soybeans and corn. That's basically the only time, so where we actually work right together. And uh, yeah, it can be challenging some days, you know, because Mike he like he drives a grain cart and I'm the combine driver, so... So he's always wrong, is what you're
0: saying. Yes,
2: naturally, we're going to butt heads all the time, so... Yeah, but... But, yeah, like, we get along, I think, fairly good, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, So,
2: I know, like, some people can't farm with their family, but we're lucky, we can do that. Like, both of our uncles, my dad's brothers, they just live up the road. Like, none of my uncles farm together, they're all separate, but in ginseng time, we come together and we kind of all work together and harvest. And uh, yeah, that can be interesting, you know, because everybody has a different opinion on how things should be done. And sometimes we just look at it and say, I don't know how they get anything done because all they're doing is fighting most of the time. But like on our operation, my dad's pretty chill. So I know when he was younger, he was, his temper was a little bit, you know, it was easier to set him off, but But with his older age, yeah, he's pretty chill. And he's the one who's telling us to calm down. So, (laughs) so yeah. So, yeah. So, we get along pretty good. And, yeah, with social media, I never even had the intention of going on Twitter or anything. It was my wife who got me on there. And I was like, why would I want to go on Twitter and see, you know, what celebrities are doing? Because that was a time when that's what twitter was just celebrities right Right. but uh then we started going to more and more meetings and like the people speaking they're like hey follow me on twitter so so yeah that's how like we've been on twitter probably 10 years now and uh yeah we've been at it for a while so but yeah it's fun you know you meet a lot of cool people you know like we're doing this podcast right now we probably wouldn't be doing that if we weren't on twitter so So, sad it just it's fun to show people what we do and how we do it and, you know, the different things. So, yeah, you know, like a lot of people, they're real interested in the vegetable stuff. Personally, if we had a thousand more acres, I wouldn't even want to grow vegetables just because of labor issue and, you know, your summer's pretty much shot. You can't do anything. So, but yeah, people like it. So it's different. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it yeah, is but, right, and like it's it's maybe so like ordinary for you guys, but like I mean, look at me—I'm just like, how do you grow peppers? <laughs> yeah. So it is pretty cool. Like I think it's great that you share all that for sure.
1: Yeah, the the, the horticulture side is far more labor intensive, so that's why Andy appreciates work when you can sit in an air-conditioned tractor cab and listen to the radio all day. He doesn't. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: is there too much physical energy?
2: No. No, it's, it's the, it's the worrying about labor that sucks about vegetables. Like for instance, like right now we're picking peppers and like this week, they only want us to take two loads in and we can pick a load in a day. So, you know, the other days you're like, man, what the heck? And, you know, it's yeah. getting on with time. Soybeans are going to be ready. I, I don't like it when the crops start to overlap, you know, cause then you're just, you know, it gets pretty wow. hectic, but
0: ones with the shelf life too man like i'm thinking like you know we've been shipping yeah meat into the terminal and that's been a little like okay like when's this vessel gonna be here and you think you're stressed but it's not the same as like a vegetable crop that might go bad in a few weeks so
2: yeah yeah we've had that we've had that before where you know like once we get down to sort of the end of peppers that uh, they start ripening and they don't want them when they're red so and that's what happens so, yeah, we've had that before, and, yeah, it sucks, but there's really not much you can do, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: vegetables, vegetables aren't like corn or soybeans where you can just store them in a bin, so. Yeah. No. That's how, and that comes with the management and how much you're going to grow each year, too, is you want to yeah, make sure what like, you, you grow.
2: Before, you know, like. This is kind of nice, this COVID thing. How we, you know, we planted less. It's a lot less stressful. Like, sure, we're not going to be making as much money. We know that for sure right off the bat. But it's a lot less stressful because you can just manage it, and then you have some free time still, you know. So yeah. that's kind of nice. But yeah, yeah, uh,
0: it's,
1: it's okay. less stressful now until we see the bank account in the winter. So we'll, we'll yeah. see. What's less stressful. <laughs>
0: Fair uh, so, like, okay maybe a bit of an aside are there any like stories that ring a bell like just you know maybe first time growing a certain vegetable crop or have you had any like real disasters either with like um a cropping season or harvestability issues? is there anything that comes to mind like that
2: oh yeah we've had of course yeah everybody's had disasters i remember the one year this was probably about five or six years ago. We were growing butternut squash and we put it in like 40 acres and that's all hand-picked. I was like, man, that's a lot of squash. And we put them on a farm that we rented and yeah, it didn't go too well. Like the squash were beautiful, but they were literally like this, this much too short, like a couple inches too short. We, they're like, yeah, we don't want to ship them anywhere. Or when we took them in, they're like, yeah, they got, to, they're too small. So, We ended up leaving probably 50% of the squash out in the field. And, yeah, that one hurt big time. And then uh, right after we dissed it down, we were so mad we dissed it down when we were done right away. Yeah, I think it froze, like, two days after. And then they called us up. They're like, hey, do you guys have any more squash to bring in? And we're like, are you serious? You know? Oh,
0: no. Yeah. That's wild, though, because, like, yeah, there just aren't as many alternative markets right especially like if you're hooked up with a certain buyer i guess yeah it's like, not like it's not like oh like here your corn's got vomitoxin but here we're gonna send it elsewhere get it yeah, out of the country whatever like, right
2: <laughs> see they were those were all going to like home depot or walmart or the grocery stores or something like that but yeah it was, it was completely i couldn't believe it when they said yeah this this." Got to be this much longer. We're like, give me a break. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. For anybody listening,
2: for
1: anybody out there listening, you might not want to go to Home Depot for your vegetable needs. Just,
2: but, um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking. Well, that was
2: for squash. So,
0: (laughs) like, like decorations, right? Yeah, it was
2: for decorations.
0: Girls that are getting their like straw bales and such for Thanksgiving displays.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what it was going for, probably, so yeah.
1: Well, the truth is, when I see how much they sell corn and straw and different things for decorations, I'm thinking that's the market we probably should be in. Yeah,
2: if we live closer to the
0: city, man.
2: Instead of the
1: food market.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, geez. Well, like, okay, so this year it feels like everybody is hitting up those roadside stands. So maybe you just need to, you know, put a display out at the end of the road. (laughs) Yeah, we would, but where
2: we are during the fall, it's dead. So yeah, 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 that's the problem. Like in the summertime, it's packed because everybody's cruising the lake because we're right on the lake road. And uh, yeah, in the summertime, it's packed. But once September rolls around, it gets pretty quiet. So yeah. yeah yeah
0: fair enough okay well darn but yeah no that's wild like just definitely yeah more risk and like yeah definitely less less opportunities to market that crop afterwards so that's kind of Mm -hmm. interesting eh? Hmm. good deal um going back to we were talking about twitter there for a minute and i just like i wanted to say this like i feel like twitter was really just made for farmers hey like i honestly like don't even know Anybody else that really uses it as much as farmers do.
2: <laughs> no, yeah. It seems like everybody, like even when you talk to guys from the States, they're like, is everybody from Canada on Twitter, every farmer from Canada on Twitter? And it pretty much seems that way.
0: I think so. Yeah. I yeah, know the answer is probably yes.
2: Well, yeah. You figure you're by yourself, you know, 90% oh, yeah. of your time. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's nice to talk to other people. Oh, yeah.
0: We have auto steer for a reason.
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so you have probably met quite a few people on Twitter and connected with them through the hashtag AndyClean. What, like, kind of what brought that on? And I guess, like, maybe what I'm more interested to know is just, like, what, you know, like, how have you been able to connect with people um, from that?
2: Oh, yeah. I've, see? Yeah, I got I'm. You're actually, I'm in the... Andy Klein head office right now.
0: Oh, are you? Oh my
2: yeah, gosh. I, I feel office.
0: so privileged. Thank you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All the people I met and how that, well, basically, I met more people before the hashtag even got pretty popular. Just because uh, a few years ago, me and my family, we went out to Iowa just for a family trip. And uh, yeah, like I hooked up with a bunch of guys from uh, Twitter that I knew. I said yeah i'm going out there they're like well swing by so you know like we met i think i was four guys from twitter that i know so yeah that was super awesome went to their farms and stuff they showed us around that was super cool and then the andy clean how that came along that's probably been around for probably five years now or so i'm thinking at least it's just in the winter time you know that's what i do i'm i'm the guy who gets everything ready so i wash everything good before you know when i'm done getting the oils changed and stuff like that and uh yeah i just threw the hashtag out once and i don't actually i'm not even sure if i'm the one who made the hashtag but there might have been i know another guy who might have did it and uh commented on one of my photos or something but yeah then it just kind of stuck and it's kind of grown i think it's taken off so good because guys love to show their equipment yeah you know, they take pride in it. you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I love farming is because of the equipment, you know, nice. if we were still using a horse and plow. Yeah, I probably wouldn't be so keen on it. But, uh, <laughs> but the equipment is kind of what drives me. And uh, yeah, so yeah, and guys just love taking pride in their stuff. And I think they kind of use the indie clean hashtag as a way of, I don't know, getting it out there or something like that. But but yeah, I'm super... Kind
0: of like a reason to to be able to share it, right? Like because yeah, it's like, yeah, like now, now you're not you're not bragging, like you're not showing off. Like it's Andy Clean, right? Like it's gotta make yeah. it on Twitter. But I yeah. think it's fun. Like why not? Like why the heck not? So yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> yeah.
2: So what happened? What really sent Andy Clean off is uh, this was two years ago. John Deere sent me. We were talking on Twitter, and I said yeah, because uh, we went to the tractor museum in waterloo when we went and uh i said yeah your stuff's pretty andy clean out there on twitter and they're like oh really and they're like that's awesome and then next thing i know they sh- asked me for my address i was like okay and they sent me this huge box of cleaning supplies and uh yeah i had like a whole bunch of stuff i had some waxes in it and some towels and yeah it was pretty cool and then yeah they designed the the logo and everything and yeah they shipped it to me and they sent me a, a box of probably about a thousand stickers so i was like oh what am i gonna do with all these and uh <laughs> so yeah so lately i've been shipping them out to guys you know everybody's well not everybody but a lot of people are putting their stuff up and putting the hashtag andy clean with us. so so yeah i've been you know kind of saying hey that looks awesome and truthfully probably i don't know probably most of them are doing it better than I do it. So, you know, so yeah.
0: Oh, uh, that's kind of fun. Just uh, pretty cool how, how much access, I guess, like we have to everybody now, like in today's yeah. culture with social media and everything. And just, you know, like even to be able to chat with those folks that John Deere, which I guess you caught have before, but just seems like everyone's so much more accessible now. You can kind of yeah, find like, like who your tribe is, you know? So I think that's kind of neat.
2: Yeah, like, I, I, like, watch the U.S. Farm Report and stuff like that and follow the people on there and stuff. And, uh, like, when you they start following you on Twitter, or you follow them, and then you start, you're actually talking to them. You're, like, celebrities, right? Yeah. And you're, like, holy moly, this is so cool. Like, I know the one guy who's on there all the time. He's a trader. His name is Tommy Grossoffi. And uh, I actually got him to come up to one of the grain farmers' annual meetings That's and cool. speak. And yeah, that was super awesome. Like he drove right up from Chicago and yeah, spent the night and had a few beers and stuff like that, and whipped right back and then he had us down that was probably the summer after he was up. We went down and for the weekend and he took us to like a couple baseball games, took us to the Chicago Board of Trade, just had a a blast, you know, and that was all from Twitter, so yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: that's awesome.
1: And I, I just like to point out, I think what I like best about Andy clean is it gives me an excuse not to have to wash any, any more. Equipment. So that's keep it up. Hilarious.
0: Andy Oh my gosh. So good. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I like it. No, that's cool. But yeah, like you said, like it's, um, yeah, it, it's neat. Like people like to share stuff. Eh? And like, how cool is that? You can just reach out to somebody on Twitter and then, uh, Like, all of a sudden, there's so much information and, like, wisdom and and experiences that you get to draw from that you wouldn't have been able to normally, so that's pretty cool. And I think, like, uh, it's neat to, um, I don't know if to have the confidence is the right word, but, like, just, um, like, the ability to, like, approach somebody like that and, like, take advantage of that opportunity, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's awesome that you guys have done that. Like, you really seem like people that are very willing to connect with others and like i'm sure that has really helped to you enrich your lives as well with what you've gained from those relationships too
2: yeah yeah it's pretty cool yeah and like see if you were to see these people in real life or half the people that you talk to on twitter you probably wouldn't go and approach them it's just exactly. that it's a lot easier to do it you know through a keyboard right so yeah so yeah
0: so For that sure. also helps So watching um, some of these folks down in the States and getting to know some of them too, you know, kind of observing that, is there anything that you would say we could bring back to Ontario, like maybe some areas of crop production that we could improve here um, just based on what you've seen done elsewhere?
2: Well, we could definitely use their government programs. You know, (laughs) if we had their government, government programs, we'd be laughing right now, so that's the main thing. Like I think we do things just as well as they do down there, yep. you know, and like, especially where me and Mike are from like the yields we're getting on our type of ground, like the last few years, you know, it's unheard of. And like cover crop, this whole cover crop range, well we've been doing that forever on the sand plains, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Like, yeah. Like, as far as crop production, I don't think, but you know, every little bit that you can learn or, you know, can help you big time. But yeah, yeah. I
1: think if you put 10 farmers in a room and each one was from a different region of North America and asked them what they thought their challenges were and their threats, you would get very similar answers on a, each and every one of them. Um, right. And same with, um, opportunities and where they think we can improve on things. I think for the most part in North America, farming is farming. Um, You wouldn't know unless you were told what region a person was farming in. So I think we're all kind of in the same boat and that's maybe why we get along so well on things like Twitter. um, because All are kind of facing the same, same different challenges and, and the way we grow things are very similar?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really good point, actually. Kind of having a bit of a view that it doesn't matter where you are, like, there's so many other, like, sectors of industry. Like, we really are, like, pretty, pretty small, you know what I mean? And so I think that, you know, you may have local competition or whatever, but there still is, you know, so many similarities. And it is really nice when you can just take the stance to uh, to learn from each other. Right.
1: And I know uh, like when we travel for vacation or for a road trip or a weekend away, one of the things we always try to do, no matter where we are, is get off the interstates or the expressways or the 401, those type of roads and travel back roads and stop at little mom and pop diners for breakfast, lunch or dinner. And you know, anywhere you go, whether it's the States or it's different parts of Ontario, you always kind of feel like you're at home a little bit because everything is pretty similar. Um, especially like the Midwest, U S Southern Ontario, Eastern Ontario.
2: Yeah. Like when I went to Iowa there, you know, we cruised a lot of back roads and yeah, it just felt like at home and it looked like at home too, you know, except it was just wall to wall corn. But yeah. other than that, you know, it's basically the same. You know. Yeah.
0: So. yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, and like you're probably pretty well received, you know, when you stop in places and like people ask what you do and you say you're a farmer, right? Like you just there is kinda like um like an instant level of respect and like understanding I would say, probably amongst a lot of those small towns. So yeah, it's yeah. kinda cool. Kinda cool. Good deal. Well, hey, I'm not gonna keep you guys forever. But is there anything that we like didn't cover that you really wish that I had asked, or anything that you'd really love to share with everyone while you have a chance?
2: I don't think so. I you're
0: satisfied with yeah, that.
2: I'm pretty satisfied. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and I think uh, one of the things with us is we're we're pretty open, like to people that we have a lot of. People, if they're in the area, stop by and visit to say hi and take a look at things. So,
0: okay, cool. If
2: anything
1: anybody wants to know from us, feel free to send us a
2: message. Uh, send, direct by. them to Mike. Direct your <laughs> messages to Mike.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, we'll leave him as the spokesperson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that
1: while Andy's busy washing equipment. Yeah, so.
2: if you have any washing questions, I get those quite a bit so yeah feel free to hit me up for those that's my there expertise
0: <laughs> that's fantastic well thank you both so so much good luck with uh, the rest of harvest hopefully it is a good end to the season for you guys
1: well thanks a lot for having us on we appreciate it
0: yeah all right thanks thank you for listening i hope you've enjoyed this episode for more episodes please subscribe You can find updates to new episodes on my Twitter at ProsperityEgg0L.